0: The human brain likes order. It is perhaps the way we make sense of the world around us. I'm no neurobiologist, but the way I've heard it explained, there are at least two parts to this, nature and nurture. There's nature, the parts that we come with, the way our genes are coded. It shows up in the way in our prehistoric brain, the amygdala, how it tries to keep us safe whether or not there's danger. Or how our eyes and brains work together to see something, a person, a situation, a setting, and it quickly works to make sense of it so that we might know how to act or react. This goes hand in hand with how we are raised, how we are socialized. That's the nurture part. Some would call that the baggage handed off to us by those who raised us. But it's not just that, it's the things we're taught, the things we take in, the media we consume, our relationships. It is a lifetime of experiences and influences. I recognize things are far more complicated because nowadays we know about things like epigenetics, memories and experiences that get encoded into our very DNA. But at its core, our brains and so our very beings make sense of the world by taking in fragments of information and painting whole pictures. The challenge with this is as we get better at connecting the dots, our way of seeing the world starts to produce some very binary thinking. Children's brains are malleable, adaptable, but we get to a certain age, and whether due to nature or nurture or both, we begin to overwrite the openness with which we view the world. And we start seeing it in accordance with the constructs with which we've been socialized. Black, white, good, bad, Healthy, unhealthy, friend, foe, you get the picture. And you may think you don't carry these, but I assure you we all do. These ways of looking at the world in accordance with the categories our brains have created. In fact, there are a series of implicit association or bias tests that have been created to give you a peek of how your brain orders the world in all different kinds of ways. On top of our own tendency to create those boxes to make sense of the world, we live in a society that feeds into those same biases that exist to take advantage of the very categories that our heads create. Marketers figured this out long ago, politicians too. They are happy to use the classifications that we've already created and then reinforce them for their means. They stand ready and willing to help us fill our own boxes, whether or not we realize it. And because of all of this, the way our brains work, the voices we surround ourselves with, the way the news conditions us, when we are faced with something unexpected, our brain takes the limited details that we've been given and starts connecting dots. It theorizes and categorizes based on our environment and our internal constructs. And in the world we currently find ourselves, those constructs far too often serve to reinforce divisions rather than affirm our commonalities. It doesn't matter that we have so much information at our fingertips, or maybe it's in spite of it that we fall back on these shortcuts so that we might process and make sense of things as we parse out the limited time and energy that we have. but I think this is where we go wrong because very little about life is simple or straightforward. And God made not only the day and the night but the dawn and the twilight and everything in between. It takes effort to move away from the binary, to ignore the shorthand in our head, To make our home in between. And to sit on the seams when the only choices offered produce a result that isn't at all consistent with how God calls us into community. How God calls all of us. This week I've done a lot of thinking about those boxes, and I wonder if you've seen them too. They're in my social media feed across the news. I've even heard them on the street. There's talk of hurt, hopelessness, so much hate. The protests taking place in our city lay testament to the very real divisions among us. But so much of what I see out there are the easy boxes. And I think that those are the ones that we're meant to reject. Good, bad, right, wrong, left, right. Because our faith calls for us to sit on the seams. In a moment such as this one, we're meant to look beyond the easy answers and half-truths. We're called not to be about soundbites, but to find a way to engage that comforts the afflicted. This does not mean that we don't call out those who sow terror and fear. nor does it mean we sit on the fence. It is not the absence of decision, but an action that is meant to take us outside of our comfort zones and the boxes that we've built. Because God calls on us to carry the weight of the disconnection in the world and turn it to connection through our own relationships and witness. God calls on us to stand in opposition to the influences that would dig us into trenches so deep we'd never see the other side. As Christians, our faith calls us into spaces where it's uneasy, uncomfortable, where it's difficult, even excruciating, because that's where God is, and that's where God calls us to be God's disciples. More important than being on the right side at any given time is recognizing and maintaining the primacy of peace and justice and love, sharing heartache with all those who hurt, because that's how we help create the better world that God so desperately wants for all of us. Now, some of you may be asking yourselves, what does this have to do with the gospel story that itself is steeped in violence and condemnation? To be honest, nothing. Because sometimes preaching the gospel faithfully means stepping away from the text we've been given and encountering the world in which we find ourselves. I don't have answers to all the questions that this past week has laid at our feet. But I do know this. Boxes are good for shoes. Cereal getting packages from Amazon. They're a lot less helpful for geopolitical conflict, and they're not at all good for people. What has happened is awful. What is happening is awful. The reality is that everyone loses in war, everyone. And yet, God is present even in the midst of the chaos. God is with the people of Israel, and God decries the violence and mourns the loss of life, every bit of it. And God is with the Palestinians, and again, God decries the violence and mourns the loss of life, every bit of it. And God wants us to do the same. Even on this side of the world, God wants us to show up for those who are hurting, those who are in need. God wants us to stand for justice, real justice, both on the other side of the planet and in our own backyard. God wants us to be deliverers of that peace which passes all understanding. And God wants us to show God's love to each other and to the whole world, the complicated and broken and beautiful world in which we live. Let us pray. Gracious God, O lover of souls, when we hurt, you hurt with us. When we weep, you weep too. We pray for all those who have died in the brutal terror attacks and those still missing. We pray for their families and friends. We pray for those killed in the military response. And we pray for their family and friends. We pray for all those hurting, for all who are scared, We pray for the wounded and the displaced. We pray especially for those who see violence as the only way. May they come to know your peace. And we ask that we might find a way to show compassion to all those affected, and to give grace to those unable to offer it themselves. For we know you are the God of all of us. We are all your people, and we are all created in your divine image. In your name we pray. Amen.